All right, thank you for joining us today. I would like to welcome my guest, Roxy Endebu Mahadu. Uh, she's a golfer, a councilwoman, and works at Microsoft, and is a good friend. I'm looking forward to this conversation. And I want to turn it over to you, Roxy. For those of you, those of you, uh, of those in the audience who don't know you, kind of give us a bit about your background, where you come from, and, and what it is you do. Thank you so much. Number one, number one, Jeremy, thank you so much for doing this because this is amazing what you're doing with this series, what you're doing inviting people is just honestly mind blowing. And I honestly have dedicated my cause to this. We'll get into what that cause is a little later, but I've dedicated my cause into this, which is really learning about people's stories and where they come from. So I wanna thank you for having me and thank you for starting this, that's number one. All right, now who am I? You did a great job. You did a great job introducing me and you pronounced my last name correctly. My name is Roxy Ndebu Madu. And like you said, I am an avid golfer and I make sure that that's in the tagline and that's in the beginning because not too many women that look like me golf and I love it. I'm here for all of it. So I'm an avid golfer. I happen to be elected in the state of Maryland in the city of Bowie and I represent 68,000 constituents. So yeah, 68,000 hefty number, $60 million budget. So yep, we manage all of that. And I happen to work at Microsoft and our customer success business, focusing on some of the most strategic federal customers. But irregardless of all of that, I am from Nigeria. That's where my family comes from. A lot of people ask me all the time, like, hey, Roxy, where's your family? Where, where are you from in the US? Do you feel like you identify, et cetera, et cetera. Most of my family is based overseas. Nigeria, Dublin, and London. And even though I grew up and I've spent an extensive amount of time in the US, I've also spent an extensive amount of time in Nigeria. My mom, she came over here a couple years ago because she wanted to provide me with a better lifestyle. And a lot of people say, yeah, 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 right, Roxy. You sound very American. Oh, no, 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 I can sound very Nigerian as well. Uh, the accent comes out when I'm angry, so don't make me angry. <laughs> and I speak my language fluently, which is Igbo. But my mom came over here a couple years ago, wanted to provide a better life for herself and for me. And I remember honestly sitting in the back of the classroom with her when she was going to nursing school and like screaming the entire time and people wondering when she would get me out of there. And I remember that we ended up, we, we started in um, Prince George's County, Maryland in the Riverdale area. We lived in a very, very small apartment. And my mom was kind of trying to make a living for herself, trying to put me through private school and things like that. And then we ended up um, you know, moving up in the world and moving to Bowie, and I grew up in this area. I ended up going to college at Howard University, and I studied healthcare sciences. I knew that I wanted to be a nursing major. I knew I wanted to go into the field of healthcare and nursing, because after spending a significant amount of time in the villages of Nigeria, my both of my grandparents passed away from health diseases, and so I saw that in this specific community, there were a lot of health issues that were prevalent in a particular community that looked a certain way. So I wanted to go to school for that. After college, I was like, mm -mm, this is not for me. I was like, this healthcare thing, it's great, but it's not for me. That's not where I'm going to make my impact. So I pivoted. I pivoted and I went in the space of technology. Let me tell you why though. Because after you spend a lot of time in the villages of places like Nigeria, and if you've been to like Kenya or, or Morocco or other places like that, you'll see the significant villages in there you'll see that there's certain infrastructure issues. There's certain issues with access to brand broadband. You know this, you know this by where you work. And so because of that, I said, no, I really want to go into technology because I want to create opportunity for people. I want to give them access 
to things that they don't have access today to create a better life and things that I wish that I would have had when I was younger. And so I pivoted into technology and now we're here. So that is a little bit about me. I have no siblings, unfortunately, but it doesn't matter because it drives me and makes me an avid connector. I love connecting with people. So if you're looking at this, follow me on all social media at Roxy and Deborah Mado and connect with me because I love connecting with people. Wow, that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I have had the the pleasure to visit Zambia and Malawi and get a feel for countries that are in you know a different situation than that, what you see in the United States. You know, water, no road infrastructure, and uh, as you mentioned, my agency does a lot of work over there doing development. So, from an so you said because of that you wanted to get in technology. How does technology then? How does that work in a country like that with, with little infrastructure? How does, how does that bring more opportunity? I think part of it is, it's almost like when I think about the U.S. and I think about the infrastructure that we have over here and I think about the ways that we are, that we are bringing broadband to rural communities, we're finding innovative ways to do that. Like it's getting done, even though the, those same communities have little, little to no, barely any infrastructure. And so I think what I see in Africa, because I had the pleasure of going to Kenya um, at the end of January this year, and I had to come back because of COVID. But when I was in Kenya, I saw the kind of same thing, is that there's a lack in, of knowledge of how do you do these things. There are so many smart and, and talented individuals over there, but at the end of the day, we don't know what we don't know. I mean, here in the U.S., we're so blessed because we have knowledge at our, fing at our fingertips. Like, if there's anything that you want to find out, I'm pretty sure you can find it out. So one way or another, whether it's through Google, whether it's through Bing, whether it's through somebody in your network, somebody you know, somebody you have access to, you can go down to a library at a school and hit the research lab or whatever, but you can find that information. In Africa, there are not a lot of people that have access to that information to even know where to start. So it takes a lot of people like you and me that have that knowledge and have those connections that understand, okay, this is where their environment is today. What are the tools and access? and access at our fingertips and what we can help them do right now with where they are today. And then what's that roadmap that we can help them develop so that they can get there and have a plan and as to how they're tracking to get there. And so I think it's really, honestly, the most basic thing. It starts with that knowledge that they just don't have over there. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I love how I've seen you participate in different communities that do great things in educating in those areas. And I, I agree with you. It's, it, there is a, a huge lack of knowledge, right? That's whether it's technology or otherwise, right? Just even how to start a business or how to, how to yeah. leverage the capital to begin a business or the services that are available through various entities like World Bank or others that yeah. will provide you, you know, uh, methods to get, get a business up and going. So that, that's very interesting. So, okay, I can see why you would want to work in IT. How would you decide what to do in IT? So luckily, Thank you, Microsoft, if you're watching. I didn't decide, they decided for me. So <laughs> Microsoft, when you, when you come into Microsoft um, at a certain time in your life, Microsoft kind of tells you what you're gonna do, you don't get to tell them. <laughs> it's kind of like, this is your offer, do you wanna do it or not? And for somebody like me who comes from a background like myself of poverty and just not really a lot of opportunity and parents who, are not familiar with the corporate environment and that kind of structure, you don't tend to pass up on opportunities that present themselves no matter what they look like. And you learn, and this is what I think that I have learned at Microsoft, you learn to take it and then turn it into something 
else and make it your own, which is what I have done. So the real thing is that I didn't get a chance to choose. If I had to choose today, right now from where I'm sitting, um, and we've talked about this a little bit, I would focus on really, I would really focus on AI and the ethics of AI, because I think as, as a civil servant from where I am today, number one, I see how much we don't, we don't know about AI in that arena and, and how the, 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 there's such a deep disconnect between the community and technology. So that certain sense of transparency just is not there fully and it needs to be. And then number two, there's a lot of bias that goes into AI, no matter whether it's the person that's creating the algorithm, no matter if it's the person that is creating the system, whatever, there's a lot of bias that goes into that. So for me, if I had to choose today, it would, I would go into focusing on the ethics of AI and the sustainability of AI and, and helping people understand and have a better relationship with AI. Because I think the public looks at it and the way that it's been marketed is AI is here to replace you. And that's just not the case. It's actually mm -hmm. here to take us to the next level and help us do things so much more efficiently. But I don't think that people have that relationship with technology to even begin to understand AI. Mm, that's a good point. So from that perspective, then, it, what would you change about IT today in terms of your experience, things that you've done or things you've been involved in that might be more on the frustration side, right? If you had the opportunity to wave the magic wand and say, I have the power today to change something about the way we do whatever in IT, what might that be for you? That would really honestly, it would be optim optimization, really. I have the pleasure of seeing IT from a provider, not in, not in a sales way, but as a provider working for a company that provides IT and as a customer working in the city and the government. And when you look at the way that IT is structured today, there's not a lot of proactivity that goes on there. Mm -hmm. A lot of reactiveness. It's more so when something breaks, let's figure out how to fix it and let's figure out the quickest and cheapest option as opposed to what are the things that we're solving for? Like for example, here in the city, my big, one of my biggest initiatives and one of my biggest focuses is smart cities, making sure that we get our city to this place where it's 100% a smart city and we're optimizing or delivering a certain level of city services through that technology. You know, so when you look about, when you look at the water systems and you think about what IOT can do there, when you look at the trash collection and you think about what sensors can do there. When you think about an evaluating traffic patterns so we can be a little bit more proactive and stop waiting for accidents to happen until <laughs> so we really find a way to do something about it. Like all of that stuff is important. All that stuff is so, it's so impactful. If people would just take the time out to be proactive and just look at it and look at what's out there. But I think the way that IT is structured today is very reactive where something happens somebody draws attention to it, then a bunch of eyes start poking around and then something happens. And then oftentimes, because you don't have a lot of time, it, it, it might not be the best solution because you're trying to rush to get it done. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of like what I see from, from today that I'm looking at that I wish was different about IT a little bit. Mm. Yeah, I could definitely see what you're talking about. I mean, even, even in the multiple places I've worked, you're right, there's a lot of that in IT. Sure, we want to look, forward but do we have the time and the money usually is the, the two things that kill us exactly interesting so where do you see yourself 
heading into the future, whether it's within this area of IT or whether I, I like that concept of Roxy AI ethics expert. I mean, where, where, where are you trying to head in your career in this respect? I, I am, you know, that's a loaded question because I'm very much the type of person that shoots for the stars. And I honestly, a lot of people ask and they're like, you're kind of crazy in this facet where I believe that life happens the way that it's meant to happen. And you just start to put yourself out there and things start to come your way or opportunities start to present themselves. I think that where my life is going, it's going more on the route of, of two, two things, societal impact in the sense of repairing the relationship between IT companies and the community, as well as the community's relationship with technology. So whether that's in the realm of AI ethics, I didn't tell you about my other obsession, which is cyber warfare. Don't get me started about that because that's a big deal. And I don't think that we pay enough attention to that as we should. I don't think that we operate in the, like people think about security and they're like, ah, it's just secure. Ah, it's not that big. It's a big deal. It is a big deal. Mm -hmm. And I think because it may have not happened to people individually, they don't understand how big of a deal it is. And so I find myself beating this horse where I'm like security, security, security. And people are looking at me like this woman is crazy. Be quiet. Like we get it, but you don't really get it. So I think it's going in the path of, you know, whether that is using AI and the ethics of AI and how we govern AI and what the government needs to do about AI and what, what needs to happen there, or if it's on cyber warfare and what that actually means and how can governments and entities stay secure from cyber attacks, or if it's simply, just just in the realm of really running running a business more to continue to learn those key aspects and continue to contribute those key aspects so that I can take those learnings and those practices to help better run the city. Because I mean, essentially the city is a business. We, we generate a revenue to provide services. So it's still a business. So I, I see it going in any of those, any of those routes from a professional perspective, but of course, in the aspect of the community engagement, it, I will will continue to grow in that area because I'm just a community activist that way. Like I'm very passionate about advocacy. That's what's important to me. And it's mainly a lot of people are like, I get this, this I get, I hear this saying a lot where people start to say, talk to somebody about what's happened in their past and you'll find out the things that really drive them and what they're most passionate about. Advocacy is a big deal for me because that's something that I wish that I would have had growing up that I just did not have. I didn't have advocacy. I didn't really, my parents were just not really in the picture. Um, I didn't really have a lot of family in this area. People were just not there. And so I'm very passionate about being there for others and showing up because people didn't show up for me. And so I think in the sense of the community and the activist part in the community, I'll continue to grow there, whatever that looks like, wherever that takes me, we'll see. But for the most part, it's really just making sure that I do right by my constituents today um, during my four-year term that's up in 2023 and making sure that we can take our city to the next level. Well, that's fantastic. So um, as we come to a close today, are there any final thoughts that might be kind of encouragement to others who might want to get into IT, but they don't know how to do it? I honestly would say go for it like you just can't 
I really want to be the person that helps people shift their mentality around what they think is possible because I was one of those people who didn't know what was possible and also thought that nothing was possible. And here I am today. I'm 27 years old. I'm elected. I'm, you know, a leader at Microsoft. I'm doing all these great things, and all these wonderful, amazing things. However, I never imagined myself getting here when I was at that other place in my life. So I really want to help people and encourage them to think beyond what they think is possible and just go for it. No matter what industry you're in, there are always going to be characteristics and skills that you have that are transferable to the IT industry. Part of that is empathy. Part of that is being a fast learner. Part of that is knowing how to, knowing how to communicate with people, knowing how to build teams, knowing how to build things, knowing how to manage programs. As long as you know how to do all of that, as long as you have those key skills that are transferable transferable, whatever you think they are, you'll be able to do anything you want to, whether it's going to financial markets out, no, like you'll be able to do whatever you want. But it starts with just putting yourself out there and starting to express to people that that's what you want to do. I mean, look at your daughter. She had never did public speaking. I mean, she put herself out there and she was like, I think, what was she? How old was she at the time? 16? 16. She was 16 at the time. And she just she like we I met her I met her and you at my first my first speech or session and believe it or not that was the first time I ever spoke publicly so I was nervous and then she started speaking publicly and that wasn't her skill set like that wasn't her her bread and butter and now she's doing it and speaking at places like Microsoft conferences like you know what I mean like so right. it's not about it's not about your history and what you've done it's about what are those skills that you have learned and those things that you've gathered along along the way that will be transferable because honestly you can teach anybody to be an expert at it it's like just like you can teach anybody to solve math problems but you can't teach anybody grit you can't teach anybody hard work you can't teach anybody determination those are just things you have or you don't have it and so i would say to anybody just put yourself out there and continue to connect with people like you and i who are fiercely dedicated to helping people get there absolutely well on that Thank you so much for coming here today and having this interview with me, Roxy. I always look forward to talking to you. Likewise. I'm so excited you're doing this. Keep doing it. And we're going to get some more people on here to, to tell their stories as well. Absolutely. Thank you.